0: Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light, bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Porch where every great conversation happens. And it happens because we trusted Brendan Vomsey over at MasterTalk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered veteran-owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have a very special treat for you. We have Dr. Robert Garcia, the warrior strategist out of San Diego, California. How are you doing, Rob?
1: Really good, CJ. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Guys, I'm super excited to have Dr. Rob here on the show because I will let you know that the author's porch um, is here because of Dr. Rob. I have been, uh, I've known Dr. Rob for a couple of years now and I have been a student of his, if you will say, and I say a student because he used to work in higher education as well. And I think, was it middle school or high school as well?
1: Uh, it was high school and I was a professor for a bit.
0: Yeah. So I say student because Rob, the warrior strategist, teaches you how to effectively design your paycheck as well as strategies for entrepreneurs to go out there and live your best life and understand the business world. And that's what he does best. And when I came to him, I was a complete mess. I was flapping in the wind. And you know what? And, and I'll say it. I'm not embarrassed to say it. And I I quit his program a couple of times. because I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm trying this out. But you know what? The author's porch is here because Dr. Rob didn't quit me. And he says, you know what, I believe in you. I believe in what what your idea is and what you really want to do. You just need to hone it in. And he creates these wonderful things. So Rob, thanks for being here with me today. I'm honored for you to be here on the show. You've graced our presence in the magazine as well. So super stoked for tonight and to talk about the lovely things that you do. And guys, he's an author as well. So which is super, super important because that's what we do here on the author's porch. <laughs> so what's been keeping you busy lately, Rob? Like I haven't been talking to you for quite a while.
1: Um. So I took a position as director of strategy for IQ Media here in San Diego. So uh, my my superpower has greatly increased. It was like they handed me Thor's hammer. Uh, I now control like some of the content for twenty newspapers, another magazine, a uh, you know a, a radio station, a podcast, all this different stuff. And I get to work with uh, this really great family um, and this guy Brett Davis, who's just unbelievable. So that's been that's been my focus lately. And then of course I'm running, you know, shift advanced life design magazine and my own business magazine. Um, and, uh, just staying busy. Life is good. Yeah. Now, excuse me.
0: One of the things that you taught me and that I try to tell other self published authors and even traditionally published authors is that you have to treat it like a business because you have to go out there. So can you kind of, Tell us some of those strategies that you try to instill in your students when, when you're trying to treat something like a business, what is one of the mind frames that you need to kind of wrap your head around?
1: Yeah. So I'll make this from an author centric point of view. Uh, Cause I know that a lot of your, your fans are, are authors or soon to be authors. Um, the main thing between a hobby and a business is that hobbyists check in periodically when it's convenient and they don't have income goals they don't have productivity goals they kind of just treat it you know when it's convenient i'm going to kind of do this maybe it'll grow when you're running it like a business you're structured you are you know you you know what your next step is your next tasking you don't just get up and kind of randomly let your day happen you time block you limit who can talk to you during the course of the day um and and you have a definitive goal so from an author's perspective you need to figure out what stage of the game you're in so if you're pre-author, and I'm going to use this as self-publishing analogies because that's all I've ever known. I've never had a traditional contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a pre-author, obviously, you're going to start off with your content plan. And you're going to say, okay, what's my book going to be about? Like, what? who am I going to talk to? Like, you got to ask yourself and make a checklist of the basic questions. Like, who's going to buy this? Who does this appeal to? What problems is it going to solve? Then you get to the physical stuff. So that's just content. You get to the physical stuff. So, what's the layout going to be like? What's your process going to be? You know, which service are you going to use for self publishing? So, this was my first real book I self published called Teen Juggernaut and uh, A Young Person's Guide by Rob Garcia. Note there was no doctor back then. This is quite a while ago. I haven't um, seen that one. It's, it's very, uh, it, it wasn't really widely put out there. Um, and what's interesting is um i wrote this out of my own childhood trauma because i had you know i had a parent that was a a pretty severe drug addict and alcoholic and i moved 16 times from first to 11th grade Uh, a lot of family members were just on drugs or, or in jail um and i wanted to write a book for teenagers that showed them hey even if you don't come from a perfect family or you don't have a lot of money growing up you can you can be somebody amazing and so I found this, um, I found this guy at San Diego State that did manga drawings, you know anime. and so I was yeah. like, all hey, right, we got to keep this is for like 12 to 19 year olds, so we got to keep their attention. So of course, we want cartoons. We want things that explain points that yeah. are visually fun to look at. And I wanted this thing to be like more than just a book. I wanted it to be like a workbook, a guide, like a source of inspiration. And so I got really lucky. And I got on the news for this, CJ. I got on the freaking morning news <laughs> in San Diego. I, wow! I lucked out. I was kind of dating one of the producers at the time. She yeah, that here. works. Wait, whatever you got to do, right? <laughs> so she got me a news segment on like San Diego Living. So I showed up in my suit, and I'm all looking like a grown up, and, and you know, talking about my book. But but the point is, I had a a I had a plan for growth, and it started off, you know, by making this book fun because obviously. Kids have shorter attention spans than adults do. So you got to have a lot of fun when you're going through a book. You got to have like interactive stuff and checklists and bullet points and, you know, cool design features, changed up fonts, um, all kinds of stuff. And so, and then at the end of it, like I had like a summation of your best life lessons. So like find a mentor and dream big and give back and, you know, eyes on the prize, all this stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so anyway, this book. I put it on edutopia.com with an offer to give it to any teacher for free. It got downloaded in 11 countries. Um, and I still once in a while get a royalty check from it, which is great. So I might even do like a reissue or another version for entrepreneurs or something. But teen juggernaut was my very first foray into self publishing. And so
0: super cool. That needs to be on every high school teacher's desk and in the classroom.
1: I really think I need to make another push for it. Uh, the feedback I got was unbelievable. People loved it. I just, you know, I have so much going on. Sometimes, like I have these projects I put aside, and you know, we we forget. And so, I wrote eight books, and I wrote about everything. I went through a spree. Once I learned how to self-publish, I was like, okay, I'm gonna write about weight management. I'm gonna write about charter schools. I'm gonna write about like success. I'm gonna write about uh, uh, learning. And so. I started this project because in my childhood, I had severe ADD. I failed at a high school. I failed at two colleges because I couldn't focus in a classroom. I can't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't have fancy drugs back then. We didn't have, like, uh, you know, diagnosis of, of any of this stuff. And so I just kept failing out of a lot of my classes that I just couldn't pay attention into. And so as I got older, in my 30s, I was like, all right. What are the things that help me to learn faster? Like, when can I really fixate on something? You know, I'm probably on the spectrum a little bit. Like, what, what really, like, gets my attention so that I, learning can take place? And I, re- I remember I was, I was in my cubicle, and I was like, I'm going to come up with a bunch of learning techniques and just write another book about it. And so The Next Level was born. I wrote three versions of this book, and I kept changing the cover. I kept, like, augmenting. I kept, like, adding content. And so this was the last book I wrote five years ago, The Next Level Supercharged. Mm-hmm. Um, sales were pretty good on it. I got good reviews, but I wanted a book that was crazy. So this one, 16 learning techniques that will help you with any job or skill. And what makes this one different is that this would have helped me as a young person, because I would have understood that, you know, I've been called stupid my whole life. And really the problem was, it wasn't that I was stupid is that I was a creative. I was like a hyper creative Yeah. and I just, um, I couldn't get into something if I couldn't like visualize it in a realistic fashion. So, yeah. so I made this and the book is broken down like this. So this is the Gmos These are the uh, Garcia model of skills comprehension. So when we first find out about a, a job or a skill, we have awareness. We know a little bit about it, um, vague knowledge at a basic level. And so what the Gmos does is it helps to tell, okay, how good are you at something? Then you got familiar, you know, you got a little bit more proficient is where you can start instructing people you're at the bachelor's level. master is when you're skilled at the breakdown of every level of the topic and you can perform tasks far above peers. Expert is the highest level of SME and you're able to produce policy and field. When you can influence your industry, you're at the expert level and that's why this book is the next level because you're climbing up your levels of comprehension. Uh-huh. So I pop this on here and and in my back of my brain, I'm thinking this probably should have made you famous. <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean, you know, you have Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And yeah. and and that's in every psychology book in the world. And now you have your own, imo- I mean, it should, that needs, that's, it's genius. It's, like it needs to be out there.
1: I, I appreciate that. Thank you. It kind of blows my mind. And, and, you know, once again, Rob just needs to circle back and focus and get this out there and let people know about it. Um. So I went through and I'm not going to outline all the techniques, but just one or two. So, you know, I I did these 16 techniques and each chapter has a different one. And it's got a description. It's got advantages, disadvantages, most likely practitioners an overview and then best practices. And so as I go through this, there's 16 techniques. And then at the end of it, I interviewed five people that had used next level, you know, learning techniques to do amazing things. Um, I interviewed Frankie Hill, who was like the most legendary street skateboarder of the 90s. I interviewed an army ranger who'd lost his leg and, uh, overseas and who ended up like getting a prosthetic and getting reinstated to active duty. Um, and I interviewed uh, Team Hoyt, who actually are really famous. They um, The son has cerebral palsy and the dad would, ch- would uh, push him around the wheelchair and they started doing marathons together.
0: Oh, and, I think I've sold them.
1: Yeah, they're out of yeah. Boston. The, the father yeah. passed away uh, a while back, wow, but bliss. he gave me a, a great interview, and um, and it was just cool interviewing all these people and getting to tell their stories. So this book has a little of everything. You know, it's got it's got the G it's got the sixteen techniques, it's got five really good interviews um, with interesting people, and then at the very end of it, I put in worksheets so you could actually fill in what job or skill you're trying to do. And then you can use the examples here to, to get better, to pick like two or three techniques. Because what's interesting, CJ, is that you can pair up two or three techniques out of this book to supercharge your learning experience.
0: So let me ask you, is this for, because I suffer from ADD as well, and that's why I have about 12 different folders at any one given time that I'm working on different books of ideas that I have. So I'm like going over here and I'm, and I'm reading like 20 books at one time because I can't focus on one thing at a time. And, and probably why it took me two years to figure out what I actually wanted to do, which was the author's portrait versus all the other crazy ideas that I had. So is this book focused on people who have those rabbit brains or is it focused on anybody?
1: It's focused on anybody to be honest with you, but um, people that have trouble with focus for sure can take this and be like, Oh, I want to learn this skill. I'm going to do research, emulation and creation. Okay. And I'm going to, you know, do this skill. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to research somebody by going to the library or getting a book off Amazon. I'm going to emulate somebody that's already done this at a very, very high level and kind of reverse engineer some of their secrets. And then I'm going to create something in that field that's original. And so you can take like you can you can cherry pick like two or three techniques, add them together and have this amazing learning experience because my, my doctorate was on project based learning. Uh, which is an alternative form of learning for kids that can't, you know, do traditional academia um, because most of them are kinesthetic tactile. And so if a kid has severe problems in the, the classroom that aren't behavioral, they usually just can't focus on stuff. And so they get bored because they want to create with their hands. And so that's uh, that's one of the biggest reasons that some kids have, have so much trouble in school. Is that uh, if, unless they can do project-based learning and, and create something with their hands and visualize a real life application of something, you know, you're not gonna wanna learn algebra unless you know that you can build something with it. That's it. Look so funny
0: story. I took so I did my whole degree online. I took um, math college math twice online and failed it and then I did I had to sit down and take it in the classroom and the instructor was my neighbor who was also the LRS commander's wife and she tutored me and I still got to see like (laughs) call it math is not my thing so I totally get it like I I'm one of those people who could not sit down in a classroom and learn I had to learn online at my own pace and do it my own specific way because I look I just learn differently than everybody else but if you let me get in there and touch it and do it like that I can learn it so go ahead
1: I was just going to say um so the formal term for that is dyscalculia. Uh, there's an actual term for people that have a, a phobia of math that, that are unable to do it at a, at a strong level. And it comes to down to confidence as well. So if you have somebody who automatically walks in the classroom and says, I'm bad at math, they're subconsciously programming themselves to fail. <laughs> um, and that's one thing I've learned. And so if you said to me, hey, Rob, I need you to finish an algebra class before the year is out, what would you do? I would turn to the next level and I would get into, okay. Math is very specific, it's like a language. So the first thing I'm gonna pick is repetition. I'm gonna learn this just like learning French. I'm gonna practice this over and over and over again. So it's like learning a language or learning an instrument. Repetition to build muscle memory is huge. That'd be the first technique I would put in, is repetition. The second thing I would do is research. I would absolutely go to Khan Academy on YouTube, watch every video you know related to the algebra stuff. So that's re- research, repetition. And then the third thing I would do is diagramming. So one thing you can get that I I bought a lot of um, back in the day is these big laminates at FedEx that have like, they're incredible. They have like every algebraic formula on them. And like the, they're just like these giant laminate guides. And so I would pick those up as well. And then diagramming is when you create diagrams of stuff to make it easier. So I found was in my PhD program, if I diagrammed out like my class or the the PhD path um, and just drew goofy stuff on the outer fringes of it, Mm -hmm. it just helped me to focus. Diagrams, shapes and colors are amazing Mm -hmm. for me for learning and and for just drawing something stupid that makes me laugh. And it just works. It keeps me focused.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm a doodler. (laughs) So uh, now you, you also talk about, and, and I think you said you wrote a book about speed learning.
1: That's the one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. The next level success. And you said GMO.
1: SSC Garcia GMO. model of skills, comprehension, GMO. skills,
0: comprehension. Yeah. You know, in our schools, they still teach, they teach a, a very blanket way to kids. If say you had a classroom, do you think that it's, and I know we, we live in a, a world where you're supposed to teach to the masses and then the outliers just kind of go into special classrooms. Do you think that
1: <laughs> I'm laughing? Cause that was my experience. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, do you think that we should be figuring out how each of these kids learn and separating each of the kids based on the way they learn into, the learning classrooms that they fit into tactile learners go to a tactile classroom. Can the other learners, you know what I mean? Like instead of going, okay, this is fifth grade math and we teach it a certain way. You test each kid based on the way they learn. And then you have classroom that teaches this way, a classroom that teaches that way. I mean, what would be your solution to fixing? So first of all, I'll
1: tell you right now that that's a bold approach. And it would catch a lot of flack uh, from parents and school boards because, um, you know, I'm not going to give you the whole education system thing, but it's very nebulous and there's there's more finger pointing than I've ever seen, even more than the military. Um, while it's a good idea, I think the better solution would be to maybe... You're talking about separating the kids, right? And and then grouping
0: them. Based on their learning style. Yeah. So like I I have to be able to do it. I'm a hands-on learner. Like I taught myself how to animate my own character and character animation on Adobe Pro just by watching videos and then doing it. Nobody else taught me. I would watch a video. I'd go do it. I'd watch a video. I'd go do it. And by practicing it, I was able to learn it. But if I sat in a classroom, I would never freaking learn it. Like I'm one of those people Um, and I don't know all the fancy words because that stuff is over my head. (laughs) I know you're, (laughs) so, I mean like that type of learner and all the people that learned the way I learned would be in that type of classroom. And then everyone that learned that was say, I need to be able to be in a very quiet focused classroom. I can't have any noise around me. So different type of learning styles.
1: I think you let the kids pick. And instead of separating them by learning style, you let them learn, you know, you give them three choices. So it's either visual, uh, the three types are aud- auditory, visual, or tactile. Uh-huh.
0: Um,
1: and, and what you're talking about by doing it with your hands, that that is learning by doing, that is project-based learning. Um, okay. There's a school in San Diego called High Tech High, which, which is, um, they have an unbelievable college acceptance rates like 95% or 99 or so, just something crazy mm-hmm. and all they do is teach like engineering level stuff but they're always building projects but they do it in a way where you give a kid like 14 days you're like okay draft up your materials what do you need how are you going to do this what math is involved and then they create something incorporating lessons so they get a lesson that they can digest and then they they use it to to build something they get an adult advisor and the kids are just some of the most you know smart pre-engineering kids you've ever seen Um, but yeah, there is, there are a lot of ways that we can make the learning experience better that don't cost that much. Like we don't, uh, the thing with education, I actually say this, you know, I try not to generalize, but the thing with education is it rewards analyticals. It always has education is always a springboard to college, but guess what? Not every kid is going to go to college. And I'm not saying that we have to change things radically, but we do have to have gateways so that kids can either go entrepreneurial college military or, uh, probably like blue, blue collar or, you know, uh, hospitality, you yeah. know, a lot, of, a lot of kids would be really happy to go work in hotel management or, you know, culinary or all these stuff. Yeah. So we did have many academies at the, uh, at the school that I taught at, which is kind of cool. So they could work in the restaurant or they could take the engineering path that I was actually running. Um, so that I thought I felt like that was a, a great path for people. Um, but CJ, the world, and this is what's interesting. I'm going to get real deep here. The world rewards analyticals. It always has. Yep. And Tim Ferriss, who's one of the smartest people on earth, got fired from every job he was ever at because he was obsessed with designing systems for faster implementation. And he would call his boss and say, why are we doing this? Like idiots. Here's how I mapped out on a napkin, how to make your, you know, how to get our, um, our, uh. How to get our systems better. Anyway, he got fired. And the point is, once he self-published and got the Four Hour Work Week out there and became a New York Times best-selling author, uh, he gets now gets paid ten thousand dollars an hour for by companies that wouldn't touch him when he was in his twenties. And that says a lot. And what it means is, we we encourage our kids to take SATs. Why? So they can go to college. We encourage our ta- kids to take all these math classes that they're never going to use. Let's be honest, you don't need to go any higher than algebra. You really don't, it, unless you're going to be like a scientist, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, whatever. Um, you'll be just fine with business math. That's what I had to do. I failed pre-algebra every time I took it, every single time. I got business math, and then because I could imagine it in my head, I got A's. Yeah. Um, creatives need more ways to express themselves for sure. And unfortunately, what we teach is just the college pathway. We put way too much emphasis on it. And there are a whole lot of plumbers out there that are making six figures plus just because they have blue collar jobs, people that join the union, people that become carpenters, whatever. And so I think we're getting better at dissolving that stigma, but we still have a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that if we allowed them the space and the environment to grow where they need to grow, um, they would be exactly where... You help them be a lot of them be, um, create their own paycheck, (laughs) which is, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but they got to put the work in, obviously. And I've learned that, I've learned that for sure. (laughs) So, do you think that growing up the way that you did, um, you talked a little bit in the beginning about um, you had a, a hard upbringing um, you had a parent that was on drugs and alcohol and, and you were raising yourself do you think that that catapulted you to where you are now do you think that, that made you work hard to put your stake in this world
1: yeah it, it made me it made me tough it really did um i realized that nobody was going to help me but me and it's not a great way to grow up as a little kid and mm-hmm. it's the reason why you know uh, I don't know. We saw it yesterday, but you know, I went to the beach at 5 a.m. I woke up at 1 a.m. Went to the beach at 5 a.m. Ran eight miles in the dark. Um, and and that that toughness is probably just child abandonment <laughs> still in the back of my head. Um, and it's just a way of me dealing with my trauma. A lot of us, a lot of us grow up with some really bad unresolved stuff, and hopefully, we can find positive ways to, you know, channel it into something. That's why I love writing so much, and I love teaching and helping people. Um, yeah. but I became a very unique individual because of my upbringing for sure,
0: yeah. And so, but you're working, you're an entrepreneur, so you work for yourself, but you're also do work in strategy for IQ Media, which is, I mean, blowing my mind all the. I can't even say the numbers it's like 25 newspapers all these media outlets and everything and helping them strategize the things they need to increase visibility and all the other um places that they're going to be so when is it when have you made it okay when is it dr robert garcia's i've made it i don't need to get up at one or five
1: I'll always get up at one or five. Um, it's it's uh, it's just something I periodically do just when I feel like I'm getting soft. Because once you can, if you can force yourself to do something that crazy, uh, nothing else is hard in life at all. You are so motivated, and so fired up, and you're like, you know what? I'm I'm better than 90% of people out there because I'm more motivated. I'm going to get stuff done, and people will rely on me because I can mentally force myself to drive out there. In a short sleeve shirt, like an idiot, and uh, hope for rain, and then jump in the ocean afterwards, which I usually do. Yesterday, it would have been extreme; I would have probably got sick. But um, when will I have made it? The first time that uh, the first major time when an entrepreneur has made it is financial freedom. So when they have enough revenue coming in regularly every month to where all their bills are paid, and then they have you know some extra, that's a giant, giant hurdle that most business owners will never make. Um, the second time is when the money is getting ridiculous, you know, when you hit 150, 200,000, 300,000, when you get to that point where you, you've hit the tipping point, like Malcolm Gladwell says, where you have so much fame, you almost can't go backwards. Like, you know, Bill Burr, the comedian is never going to have to go backwards. Malcolm Gladwell is never going to have to go backwards. Like they're at a point where they have so much audience draw and so much attention and spotlight um they made it you know and 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 there is no real like hard delineating factor but when you get there you just hit a point where you you're established in your industry and you're known
0: do you think you'll still get up at five in the morning and go beach run
1: i'll be a millionaire i'll still be out there yeah oh yeah i have no doubt i'm gonna make it cj i have i'm way too crazy um I, I am so, flaky.
0: I have no doubt that you're way too crazy. Cause <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple people here watching. Um, uh, we've got Joanne Angelberry Cologne. Um, she's, she's been here with us the whole time. Uh, she says exciting to see both of us. We also have uh, Jamie Lane here watching. She talks about uh, her son and him having his own language and the different teaching styles as well. I just want to recognize that we've got a couple folks here watching. We've had a couple people jump on and off as well, Um, people within the network that that you work with um, on a weekly basis, sometimes monthly and stuff like that. So my question is, what's your next book? What's the next... um, zone of genius that you're going to be dropping on us because one we've got to get those two books revved back up and and revved back out there and let people understand what you've already created to more visibility to show them because you're moving on to a lot of other um, things that you're working on while some of us other folks can get some visibility on those books but what is your next project
1: I really should have, here's the deal. I can write a book pretty fast, but I'd rather one of them. I wrote 56 page book, six hours from literally a piece of paper to publishing. Um, <laughs> and I've, have, I've have a formula to it. Um, can you, you write a... that?
0: Could you write a book on that formula for the rest of us that literally our only thing is writing books because I have a
1: lot of authors that want that formula, <laughs> I could, I could write a book in a weekend for sure. A, a good one. I'm talking like 200 pager, 300 pager. Um, and I would actually, you and I should bundle that up in a workshop and I will hand that to you as a DYP project because you're a member and I love you to death. Um, I have a, I actually wrote an ebook on how to do it, on how to write your book really, really fast. Um, so the next project my next three books in order i'm gonna write a book on entrepreneurship um i'm gonna write a book about probably a really extensive bio about my life because i've had like four or five chapters in my life you know for for birth to 19 i was in eureka california awful life um great friends i was skateboarding a lot but i was dealing with a lot of traumas that i didn't realize were traumas till i was like 30 i was like "Oh, oh crap you know you're not supposed to you're not supposed to live in a a, a hoarder's house, floor to ceiling garbage, with cat your cat eating mice live, and then go to school moldy clothes. And then you know my thirties. I'm like normal kids aren't like that. Um, <laughs> so the second chapter Arizona for two years, going to Devry, just trying to learn electronics. And the third chapter is the Air Force, active duty. Fourth chapter is San Diego. San Diego actually has four parts. Or sorry, two parts because there's there's Rob in San Diego just trying to get stable. <laughs> And then there's Rob, the entrepreneur, who all of a sudden um, everything takes off. Like in two thousand, I think two thousand eighteen was the pivotal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middle East deployment. My mom died. I had a nervous breakdown. I moved into my dream apartment. Four massive events in one year that cool. um, kickstarted who I am. That was yeah. that was entrepreneurship uh, on on hyperdrive. So, yeah. I do want to write a couple books jillian's really pushing me for to get one out there and so i will make a book project board and and, and get these out there because now i know how to market them better now i've got an audience i've got a magazine i can you know i know how to do facebook lives and email lists all this different stuff so i feel like sales are going to be a lot better um but i am going to write a powerful book that and i've thought about writing one about tactical ceq which is my visibility program um the art of business celebrity I have, you know, I have 205, 206 interviews now, uh, 206 interviews under my belt and um, tax CEQ changed my life. Just applying four principles to go from expert to highly invisible industry celebrity.
0: We just need to install a faucet on the top of your head and then with facing backwards because we need you facing forward and we just need to turn it on and put a cup underneath it. And then, you know, grab a little bit of that out so we could pour it out somewhere like a jigsaw puzzle, put it all together. (laughs) And then, so you can keep going forward because you have so much knowledge. You know, I've sat in a lot of calls with you and I've listened to the stories, you know, and they're not stories like. False stories. They're they're your life. So when I say stories, I don't mean to degrade them in any way or downplay them. I mean, I could not have survived eating moldy bread trying to pay for my PhD. I stopped at my bachelor's and I says, Oh, I'm done. like, I'm done, I quit, like, I'm over it, you know, I mean, that was enough for me, Um, you know, the things that you've been through, the things that you've survived through, and that you kept pushing, and not only did you keep pushing, but you're bringing all of us along with you, so it's just amazing to me, and it's very humbling to be able to be on this journey with you as well, so, for you to be able to put that down on paper, you have all of this knowledge and these things. And I've I've taken your tactical CEQ course. I'm in your design your paycheck program as well and all your other stuff and a lot of the folks that i you know work with and collaborate with we're we're all there with you and we're watching it and stuff like that so that's why i say you know let's put that faucet on the top of your head face it backwards so you can keep going that way and the rest of us can just you know turn it on and just grab our cup put it all like a jigsaw puzzle put it together and you just keep going and let us grab the stuff as you go and and stuff like that so uh where can people reach you if they want to to reach out for the tactical CEQ uh, celebrity stuff, as well as if they want to learn how to design their own paycheck. Cause authors, you've got to treat it like a business. If you want to sell some books, like trust me, you're not going to sit in your living room and have the world buying your books. If you're not doing something other than doing something.
1: Yeah. So everything is on my main website at your next level of um, there's a link for Taxi EQ. There's a link for Designer Paycheck. There is a link if you want to book a call with me for 15 minutes for free and just, you know, get to know me. Um, honestly, I feel like Designer Paycheck or Taxi EQ could help authors because Designer yeah. Paycheck is going to show you how to monetize and different ways to, you know, get your book out there. Um, and then Taxi EQ is going to show you how to make a social media plan for it, how to get celebrities, you know, making videos about it, um, how to grow an audience for it designer paycheck will teach you like audience building and pre-launch. So it just depends. There's a, there's a lot out there for authors, but you're absolutely right. Like they have to be ready to do the work, especially self-published. They have to create their own buzz and there are ways to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Rob, I know you're super busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're probably, I see you jumping around in your chair. I'm like, oh, he's ready to go. He's already off on another moment. So this is the part, um, I already put your link here in the comments. So anyone that watches the video can see your link to your website. But this is the part in the show where I hand it over to you. I popped myself off. So you have the last word. So this is your point, your moment to share anything that we didn't talk about in this show that you want to share with the audience or anybody that's watching. So I hand it over to you. All right. Thank you.
1: All right, guys. uh, Thank you so much for tuning into my, uh, my interview. I really appreciate it. And I guess the best advice I would give you is when you do undertake writing a book, treat it with love. You know, treat it, treat it with honesty, treat it with with energy and fire and passion. The things I wrote about were the struggles that had gone through my life. And it was very cathartic to to write a book about them. Um but yeah, put in that effort, put in that work, and uh, you'll have a masterpiece when it's done. And that's all I got. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being here, Rob. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. I always enjoy having a conversation. I can't wait till I get back into the full swing of everything after the new year and get back into the weekly calls and everything. Um, And everybody don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or on the podcast here on Facebook. You can ask Siri or Alexa to play the latest episode. Head to our website, catch the latest issue of the magazine, which is dropping on the 1st of January. We have a new issue dropping and our blog posts. We're going to get those back up and going at the beginning of January as well. If you want to continue making authors' dreams come true and provide them a platform, make sure that you continue watching us. And authors, come on our show. We enjoy talking to you. We will see you guys next time. If you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends Brendan and Vomsey of Master Talk where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. And don't forget that if you want to stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ. This is Rob. Go read his books and write on. See you later, Rob. Bye. The Author's Force is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Shows show your support, tune in.